Welcome to Adventurous Investor in Conversation. I'm delighted to have with me David Cornell, who's Managing Director at Ocean, Ocean Dial, uh, who managed uh, the India Capital Growth Fund. Is that right? Or India Capital Growth Trust, David, is that right? I, I always, is it a fund India trust? Capital Growth Fund, which is an yes. trust. Yes, yeah, just to confuse matters. <laughs> yes, so, um, and I've known David for many years, and uh, I, I regard him as a bit of an expert at all matters Indian-related. Okay, David, so I suppose that the obvious question is, COVID came along, which obviously had a bit of an impact on emerging markets, developing markets. And then you, the Ukraine kicked off, oil prices went up, and everybody thought, that's it, time to short India. Um, what happened? Because it doesn't seem as though that shorting India strategy paid off, really, did it? India spent the last three or four years fixing the roof before the rain came, which is right. kind of normally the other way around. This normally, the, yeah. why didn't you fix the roof? But Modi uh, and his government, um, which in contrast uh, is, a, is, is a benchmark for political stability. <laughs> not, too, not too difficult. That's a bit of a low barrier. Too difficult, but, but political stability leads to good policy. Uh, you know, I'm only saying this because we're all so attuned to the UK. Political instability leads to macroeconomic and in India, we've had the reverse yeah. for the past, past seven or eight years. This political stability has led to decisive policy. Decisive policy has led to, and over the last three or four years, India's huge these of FX reserves. And that's provided a cushion uh, for the economy uh, during this period of kind of uh, macroeconomic uncertainty. Um, and also, uh, India imports a lot of oil, as we know. But what's interesting is India's, ex- India's exports, IT exports, which is its number one export, service the value of that is now crossing the value of oil imports. And so oh, right. to some okay. extent, that, there's a buffer there that's been created, which never really existed. Uh, and those IT export services, those IT service exports are still growing at being 20% of the oil will fluctuate. Um, and so it, it's becoming more resilient to global economic shocks. Uh, and that's caught the market, uh, well, internationally, it's caught them off, offside because we've seen 25 or 30 billion of outflows from India. Yeah. The market's still held up really well. And how, how has the markets performed in the last kind of, well, year to date? Because obviously your S&P is down, well, it depends when we, we're talking, 20% could be more tomorrow, could be less tomorrow, who knows. Um, how, have, how have Indian equities done? Well, I think to the end of October, and I'll be off for a number, EM is down 30 and India's up. Right. Okay. That's a big difference. <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and what we've talked about one of those drivers, they've, they've sort of got their macroeconomic and certainly their macro political house in order. Uh, we'll, we'll gloss over the debates around the politics for now. Um, but, um, but there's also, are, are we seeing an uptick in, in, in investments in, in, in India? Because I want to come back later on in the conversation to, omnipotent subjects of apple everybody when they talk about india now they almost quickly go oh it isn't isn't apple heading down to india to start making iphones um but has has investment in india picked up in the last couple of years i would say it's beginning to, i think the last couple of years is a bit but the indian government has been pursuing uh, policies to attract foreign direct investment into the economy and that is working so if i look at fdi flows into india year over year uh, prior to Modi's um, arrival, they were trending into 30 billion. Uh, the first two or three years of his arrival, they were up to sort of 45 to 50. And now we're looking at 75 to 80 billion dollars every year coming in from foreigners wanting to build bricks and mortar. Yeah. So that yeah. is clearly positive. Domestic in uh, companies slower. Uh, 
to 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 re to, to, to reinvest or to start a fixed capital investment. But we're getting early signs of that. Now. And, and is that is that a function of is that a function of the banking system as well? Because the banking system got recapitalized quite a few years ago. So it, it has has that what was that slightly dysfunctional banking system part of the problem? Part of the problem, not not all of it, but part of it. And also, I think companies were overinvested uh, in the period from sort of two thousand and ten to two thousand fourteen. That was over-invested. right, and that's taken a few years to work. Principally, because when Modi was at fourteen, actually the economy started to slow. Yeah. So overinvestment followed by a period of slower growth kind of leads to a longer time for that over overinvestment to work itself through the system. And I think we're coming to the end of that. I suppose another element of investment is, is infrastructure. And again, this is one of those stories. Uh, people talk about India. They pretty inevitably talk about infrastructure or the, 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 the lack of it in certain places. Has that improved? Um, because obviously the, the, everybody's got their favourite Indian infrastructure story. Um uh, we will come on to Apple a bit later, but um, has that has the infrastructure? Because that's one of the big issues that people do say is you know infrastructure. You know the people great, lots of, of potential, but eek the infrastructure. Has that really improved in the last three or four or five years? Beyond all roughly, but say you would. Uh, I mean, David, when you and I were in India, which was what five years ago. Yeah, yeah, four yeah. years ago. I don't know whether you've recovered yet. <laughs> from a from a de- desperate Delhi belly attack, I might point out. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> it, it is so. India has become an easier place to do business, and the government have been fiscally quite conservative, but also quite judicious. So during lockdown, they did not pursue these policies of paying people to stay at home, uh, as yeah. we did in the West. They instead chose to reinvest productive once COVID had the storm had passed. So. They, they've been investing in infrastructure as a way of creating productive employment for uh, for uh, parts of the population post-COVID. So that fiscal largesse, which is not huge, two or three percentage points of GDP as opposed to eight or ten percentage points, has gone into infrastructure. It's very, so airports, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, underground um, roads, railway, it really is. Uh, easier to get around and easier to operate as a business uh, and see that in terms of there's a uh, there's a thing called e-way but every time a, a truck leaves a factory there's a digital record of that uh, which is helping to collect tax and if I look at those e-way bills you know the, the number of e-way bills being created is going up very rapidly so the kind of movement in the country is improving and the movement of people so there's big big problems Okay, which brings us to Apple. Um, again, every, Apple high-profile announcement. There's lots of worries in the press about decoupling from uh, from China, and India, along with Vietnam, seems to be probably one of the the, the best destinations that a lot of companies are going to. Apple are now uh, are now apparently got a big factory or building a big factory. Um, do you think that whole kind of China decoupling India is a tech center story, which we have heard before, by the way? Um, and, and but it never really took off. Do you think we are in a different situation? I do. It's early, early days. India is becoming a credible alternative to China. It's a more interesting alternative now. The size is, mm. in some senses, the last untapped in the market. There's a bit of a journey, and so companies are already automatically drawn to India because of that. So it's a cheap exporting manufacturing, plus it's a big, strong domestic. And I think Vietnam's won a lot of incremental market share up until this point. But I think India is going to pick up the baton. Uh, from this point on. So Apple um, announced that 25% of 
of iPhone 14s will be matured in India with a plan to take that up to 50% in the next three or four years. And I think, I mean, I don't know the whys and wherefores, and I know that it will never be straightforward. But what I can tell you is that iPhone sales in India have been very, very disappointing in the last five or six years. The handset is just too expensive. Yeah. So putting it into domestic manufacturing is a good idea in order to win back some market share from some of the other handset providers that have won the, the first land grab. So it would make sense to me for Apple to build. Um, I suppose that speaks to the fact that India has made great strides in this whole digitization uh, process. Um, and, you know, they, they obviously did that. that um, they've done a series of reforms. You, you'll know, I, I forgot the terms they use to describe all the various registrations and uh, the kind of e-government is that is that whole digitization process still rumbling forward? It is. It's not rumbling forward. India has um, what they call the India stack, which is the infrastructure, i.e. the, the, the fibre optic cables in the ground, which are government owned in some cases, but also privately, uh, through to the cost of data, it's the cheapest in the world, 14 pence per gigabyte per month, uh, to right. the cost of a handset, which is now sub $50 and therefore easily affordable for everybody. Uh, to a payment. except if it's an Apple Apple phone, <laughs> except if it's an iPhone. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, to, to, they have this amazing payments infrastructure, is also which is government owned. It's a it's a, a clearing system through, through which all companies and enterprises, individuals can clear through the banking. So you can pay for a single cigarette stick uh, via a QR code from a man from a vendor on the by tapping by just flashing your phone on QR system. So that, and if I look at the number of digital transactions happening here today, it's grown like, and not, not, not necessarily in terms of value, but in terms of volume. Uh, and, and so, uh, and of course, 50% of the population are millennials. They're under 25 years old. So they're, you know, this, this is their, this is their life. So it's, it, and also David, I mean, you know, what, what's, what I find fascinating is I can't give you the facts, the hard facts here, but I think 25% of all the world's IT engineers sit in India. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and most of the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are Indian by descent. Yeah, yeah. so the yeah, role yeah. models sit in Silicon Valley, and the IT engineers sit in India. And so the and, and so the kind of cultural opportunity set is vast. And if I look at retail okay. spending, it's kind of growing at ten percent. If I look at digital spending, it's growing at sixty percent or seventy. percent So it's very exciting. What could go wrong? What are the headwinds? Well, I, uh, for me, politics, I mean, you know, there's no effective opposition, no, no, mm. you know, state by state. I think that kind of autocratic approach does worry if valuations are expensive. It can get ahead of itself in terms of valuing. This is a story that's very believable from an investment. When you see the reality happening, that you have the courage to buy, but that tends to be after the market's already moved. Very few investors have the courage of equity to come in when the world's falling apart. If you bought in March 2020, you know, a massive gain. It is done very well. And because pe- people are concerned about China, incrementally, the, the picking up the benefit. So I, I'd say uh, timing an investment in the is massive. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's quite easy. Uh, yeah. And in terms of valuations, how highly valued is it? I mean, I think I was looking at numbers recently which suggested that Chinese equities, for all the reasons that we can understand, were in single-digit PEs. Yeah, and, and you, know, you need to be careful of that because there's lots of state-owned enterprises or state-influenced enterprises that are very cheaply valued. But even their, you know, their successful companies are now really cheap. Um, Tencent and Alibaba are just collapsing. So China's really cheap, single-digit. 
India isn't cheap like that, is it? No, India. In fact, if I look at every market, they're all somewhere at the lower end of their long-term valuation, with the exception of India, yeah. somewhere near the higher end of its valuation. <laughs> um, so, uh, so it is, it is. But cheap is a funny thing, isn't it? Because what does it mean? I, I mean, it's expensive on one-year forward PE multiple, but you're not buying it for one year forward, are you? You're buying it for five years, and five years forward India is not expensive. Uh, what you're trying to find... What do you mean by that? So, What, what do you mean by it? It's not expensive on a five-year forward basis. Well, because if you're growing consistently compound at 15 or 20% per annum, your earnings, and the currency is a bit less volatile than it has been, then that translates back to, let's say, 10, 12, 14% growth in hard currency compounding every year. Mm. You know, then the multiple is not 25 times. It's back at single digit. It's very, very attractive. But... But you, but because you've got this compounding story, this learning growth that's coming through, uh, it's just a volatility that people find hard to stomach. Um, and talking of volatility, your fund uh, is much more mid cap based. Is that right? Um, it is. I think it a lot of your competitors are more large cap based or got quite big. And you've got big portfolios, and you've got quite a concentrated portfolio, haven't you? So why why do you, would you expect mid caps in a more concentrated portfolio to do well? So. This is the way we think. Um, we we like mid caps because we see more value. We see more opportunity for change, and that's for us where you get the upside in the market. You get more of a domestic uh, because a lot of the mid caps are, are are driven by what's happening on the home front. You know, if I look at the big IT companies, if I look at oil and gas, so so the large large cap, with the exception of the banks, um, concentrated because we want to identify through our research process and through our interaction with our company, the quality of management that helps us to sleep well enough. Uh, and because when, once you use the volatility, the market enters stocks at attractive valuation, then you can hold on to them for a very long time. And you can only buy when the market's falling aggressively. If you've done your research, because then you have the confidence of your conviction to, to you know what you're buying. So we, we, we know the volatility in India is coming. It always comes. India do loads of to buy stocks. So if you've done your homework, you can buy and hold. And there's a company portfolio we bought nine years. PI. It's a manufacturer of agrochemical uh, pesticides. It's a white label manufacturer, so it sells uh, to you know the big DAOs and buyers of this world, and they brand it their brand name PI. Put together. They also do customized research for the big global ones, which is a trust business. There's a lot of information uh, te- technology sharing. So that's we bought that. Um, nine years ago, and it's done a 45% annualised return every year for nine years. Wow. That's in rupees, okay. uh, so it's not the same in sterling or dollars, but it would be far off that. And we still see 18 to 20% growth going forward in this company because it's winning market share from China now because there's a bit of a shift away from China. There's a big domestic agriculture story that it's playing into this customised research business and highly lucrative because once you've made those commitments to you know, to to those international companies, you're going to protect it because you, you give away that information, you're going to find yourself into. So very sticky, big barriers. You know, we just, we just you know, so we like just holding on to things that, that are doing well. Obviously, we don't get everything right, so we have to we do get out of stuff. But bulk of the portfolio we own for the five years. And I suppose uh, my, my final question to you is, do you think, uh, I suppose India has always had a promised decade for quite a few decades, yeah? It's everybody sort of understood India's potential. Um, but then China just keeps pushing ahead. And now China does seem 
however way you cut it to be stumbling, yeah, economic growth is certainly down. I mean, politically, you know, we, we all know what's going on there. Um, do you think this is India's decade where it uh, just pulling together all, all the things we've talked a bit about, really, about more macroeconomic stability, more political stability, although that brings with it its own risks, as you've identified, um, China being problematic, to put it mildly. Do you think this is finally the decade where India shines through and maybe... I don't know where, where is India as a percentage of EM indices at the moment. I'm yeah. I'm guessing it's guess ten fifteen percent something like that. Um, and China's even reduced level is still at thirty. Is this the decade that India starts to push ahead of the pack? Well, it feels like it to me. Uh, but I'll just answer it in two ways. If I look at India's historical going back, it's still the best performing market. It's beaten yeah. the US. It's beaten the US. It, you know, does does something like twelve to fourteen percent compound. Yeah. Every uh, and so to some extent, it just quietly gets on with it. Of course, you have to stomach the volatility in the currency movements to get. To, you know, have to be invested all the time to get those returns. But India's percentage of global market cap is about four percent. That feels very low to for a yeah. country that's going to be the third largest or fourth largest economy in the world in the next five years. So, so I think um, the next decade does belong for sure. Uh, economic is becoming much worse, and I think the risks for institutional investors will be not to own it. You know, we've been here several times before, and India looks like it's finally about yeah. to arrive. Every time, I think we get a step closer, but it's expensive, and markets mean revert. So you have to time your entry. Okay, David. As always, fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. And if you want to find out a bit more uh, uh, about what Osha Dal do and what the India Capital Growth Fund does. Definitely check out their website. Um, big fan of them over long term. Thank you. Not at all. Thanks, David. Nice to chat.